This is Father Aaron with another podcast. This week, I look at the moving account of the martyrdom of the seven sons in 2 Maccabees and how their example, and the example of all the Christian martyrs, teaches us to stand up for our faith, particularly when it is difficult or unpopular. The past few Sundays, and then again over last weekend with the Feast of All Saints and All Souls, I have been giving special attention to the matter of heaven and what awaits the righteous souls in eternal life. The Gospel this morning is situated along the same lines, but since we've devoted so much time lately to that subject, I'm going to set the Gospel aside today. Instead, I want to consider the first reading from Second Maccabees, The first and second books of Maccabees, of course, are two of those books that are only found in the Catholic Bible, which means, of course, that most Catholics have never heard of it. The two books of Maccabees tell the story of the Greek occupation of Israel. A successor and descendant of Alexander the Great, King Antiochus IV Epiphanes, invades and conquers Israel. And during this occupation, much is done to rid the land of Jewish culture and religion. At first... The approach is to propose Greek culture. Antiochus constructs idols to Greek gods in the temple. He builds a Greek-style gymnasium. He introduces the Greek manner of governance, the market, etc. But as the occupation progressed, more and more, the approach was to forcibly remove Jewish culture. Many Jews were forced to eat pork or to bow before idols, often with the threat of torture or of death. And this, of course, leads to the famed Maccabean Revolt, which resulted in freeing the Jewish lands from their Greek conquerors and the restoration and rededication of the temple, an event which Jews continue to celebrate each year around this time with the Feast of Hanukkah. Now, our first reading today is positioned right in the middle of that story. We get this heart-wrenching account of the woman and her seven sons who are commanded to eat pork in defiance of the Mosaic Law. One by one, Her sons refuse, and each is executed before her. And most notably, each of these martyred sons dies while professing faith in eternal life. Bishop Robert Barron comments that this profession is in itself evidence of heaven. Since each of these men literally bet their lives upon eternal life, which is not something people would do unless they had real hope. But what I would like to consider is the reason they died. They did not die because they refused to serve the Greeks, nor did they die attempting to overthrow Greek rule. They died because they would rather death, rather than to defy the law of God. They are truly martyrs, since the cause of their death was their faithfulness to God. Now, while their story is, of course, remarkable and gut-wrenching, It is not a story which is foreign to our Catholic understanding. Most of the early saints of the church were martyrs, 
In fact, when the Archbishop of New Orleans was asked if it would be appropriate to name the sports team in New Orleans as the New Orleans Saints, his response was that was okay, as long as they knew that most of the saints were martyrs. It's often said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Even to the present day, martyrdom is not a foreign idea. Now, we don't hear much about martyrs in this country, but perhaps you remember just a handful of years ago when 20 Coptic Christians were beheaded on the Egyptian shore of the Mediterranean Sea by ISIS soldiers, and not for any political reason, but because they refused to forsake Christianity. Even in our own state of Mississippi, about 300 years ago, five Jesuit priests were martyred here in very gruesome fashions, killed by the Native Americans by being burned alive or skinned, boiled, or crucified. So why do we celebrate the martyrs? They give us a testimony of what is asked of each of us if we are put to the test. They show us what real faith looks like, and yes, they show us what it means to have hope for eternal life. What we don't do is remember them merely because they were heroes. They did what is demanded of each of us, except we have yet to be graced with the opportunity to profess our faith before a sword. The important thing is that they, just as we all must, valued the love of God over their entire life, over everything on this earth. They teach us that there is a line which cannot be crossed, that there is a point where toleration and acceptance aren't the right decision. And that is so contrary to a society which, especially today, values tolerance over truth. We are told that we must tolerate the beliefs and differences of others, And of course, this is often the case. We should tolerate another's annoying differences. At times, we should even love them despite these differences. But when a person, or a group, or a nation rejects God, or proposes to us that we do or accept practices which contradict God or His holy law, then toleration is never the answer. Particularly right now, in this nation, we see this in the issue of marriage. We are being told that we must tolerate non-Christian understandings of marriage because such toleration would be kind or compassionate. But in this situation, toleration often means acceptance or approval. The church, for example, cannot tolerate, that is, celebrate non-Christian marriage. It goes against the law of God, which we are bound to hold. And so the church, and by extension all of us, must take a stance in favor of God's law. Consider the great story of St. Thomas More, one of my favorites. More was the closest advisor to King Henry VIII. But when Henry broke from the church in order to procure the divorce he desired, More refused to stand with him, knowing what this meant. Thomas More was beheaded while he boldly proclaimed, I die the king's good servant, but God first. Sometimes we are told that we are meant to accept non-Christian practices because they are cultural. Not accepting these cultural practices is often deemed as racist by society. I traveled to Escapulas, Guatemala a few years ago and witnessed a ceremonial dance celebrating the native gods, performed right in the square before the basilica there. A dance which included people holding up or dressing like various figures of birds, carrying idols, along with images of the saints. Maybe you've gone through Walmart and found those votive candles similar to those you see in church, yet bearing images of skeletons or ghosts, something I'm sure most of you don't even know what it is, but it's a cultural practice which stems from some Central American cultures which pray to Sancta Muerte, the folk deity of death. 
Or if you travel to New Orleans, where I lived for eight years, you will see the tarot card readers or the fortune tellers outside of the cathedral. Or there's this sort of New Age spirituality which attempts to merge Eastern forms of meditation with pseudo-Christian prayers. Now, Catholics are not able to excuse these sorts of practices as merely being cultural. There is a line which we cannot cross. And that is when practices of others conflict with the law of God, or in this case with the first commandment to not worship another God but the Lord. And this is why, for example, you may have heard a bit of a stir in the Catholic world recently surrounding certain practices at the Amazon Synod, which just concluded in Rome. Some of you have asked me about it. The Synod, of course, was called by our Holy Father to address very real pastoral needs in the Amazon, needs which, it must be said, don't really affect us at all and shouldn't have been a concern to the wider world in the manner that it was. Nevertheless, something that has caused a great stir, particularly on social media, is in regard to the image of the Incan fertility goddess Pachimama, which was carried through the streets of Rome and put on display and throned in two separate churches, including St. Peter's Basilica. Even more remarkable than that, at least to me, is that the Italian Bishops' Conference published a set of prayers addressed to Pachimama, or Mother Earth, which asked for good weather or good harvest. Now, naturally, these sorts of occurrences have brought about great emotion, since there is an obvious conflict between the First Commandment and invoking an Incan deity. Now, in response to these claims, however... A lot has been said, even from priests and bishops and even some cardinals, that those who oppose these actions are racist or not tolerant of other people. But there is a line that we Christians are not allowed to cross. Toleration is a false god, and we are not meant to tolerate those things which conflict with the law of God. At times, we will be required to stand strong in our faith, even in the face of the threats of others. Perhaps most people are not facing the threat of death if they don't tolerate a fertility worship cult or sanctum verite or fortune tellers, but there is a threat of what I would term social assassination. Many of us are very afraid to truly stand up for what we believe because we know that our comments will be unpopular or ridiculed by others. Maybe the time we are called to stand will not be on issues as large as, as idolatry, but there will be a time when we are questioned as to what we hold in regard to traditional marriage or abortion, or contraception, or execution, or euthanasia, or whatever the issue may be. The response to these issues cannot be one of toleration. We are not allowed to hide behind the visage of respecting other people's differences. Either we believe the truths of God, or we do not. And we all know that there are times, and please God they are rare, and please God they are never at the risk of death, but there will most certainly be times when we must take a stand. Do we have faith? personally, to stand strong for what we believe in the face of these threats? Can we make the same response to those who question our faith as the Maccabees did in this morning's reading? What do you expect to achieve by questioning us, they said? We are ready to die, rather than to transgress the laws of God.
thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jackson Priest with an S, dot com. Thank you, and God bless.